Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to even get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now, there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down. There were about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When they saw people, when people saw the sign of what he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we have a familiar gospel story with perhaps some of the most famous miracles of all. The feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on the water. Now, these are such powerful images that they find themselves throughout all the gospels, particularly that of the feeding of the 5,000. The only miracle or as John would call them, signs, that appears in all of the Gospels. These, you see, are important stories to share. In fact, they're so important that this is going to kick off for us what is going to be a five-week journey into this Bread of Life discourse. Yes, you heard me right, folks. For the next five weeks, you're going to hear me talking a lot about bread. And I'm already considering going gluten-free because I don't have that much to say. I assure you, I am going to run out of things to say very, very quickly. This text, you see, for me, brings back one of my favorite memories as a pastor. This text, seven years ago, was the first sermon I ever preached in my assembly as a pastor, a newly minted pastor. The bishop had just slapped the Holy Spirit into my head and I was ready to go. This was my first text. And my sermon was pretty simple. It's a sermon about leftovers. Particularly, throughout the sermon, I kept pointing to the table and saying, there's always 
more Jesus. There's always leftovers. Until communion came. I started distributing communion, and about halfway through communion, I thought to myself, not only are there no leftovers, there's not even enough Jesus for who's here. So as people started coming up, the morsels got smaller, smaller, and smaller, to where finally I was giving just the scent of the bread to people. Just here's the body of Christ whiffed for you. I mean, really, really learned my lesson the hard time until finally, finally, pastor who communed last got the littlest piece of all so that afterwards I could lift up that crumb to the assembly and say, see, I told you there was always leftovers. Lesson learned as a new pastor. I continue to learn lessons all the time. And actually, we're living in a moment with those little Jesus cups that we hand you on the way in with the little wafer and the juice. We don't even really have leftovers, right? That's sort of the joy of this. I, don't even, I can't even use that image right now. However, I still think leftovers are important to the text. In fact, leftovers, I think, stand at the center of the text, literally. I think in so many ways, the very people that Jesus gathers together on that nice and beautiful grassy lawn are the leftovers of society, a fragmented group of people who have chosen to follow Jesus if for no other reason they've witnessed to the signs he's performed and they want more. These are people who were previously lost and have now found direction. People lost in their illnesses who now see the signs of a new healer in this world. People who are lost to their physical hunger and are now being satiated by the one who breaks bread before them. People who were lost in their faith, unsure where God was going to be revealed to them in their lives, and with each and every subsequent sign performed, another divine revelation of who Jesus is as God in their midst. See, Jesus doesn't just feed them bread. Jesus feeds them with himself as the bread of life. Jesus doesn't just show them the way to walk. Jesus is the way, according to John. And while the feeding of 5,000 people with the ancient equivalent of a child's lunchable seems to be a pretty miraculous occasion, I think there's more going on here. John's focus isn't even so much on Jesus' compassion on the crowd as it is in the other Gospels, as much as it is on the way in which Jesus gives of himself in this miraculous moment. See, to me, these miracles don't matter if all it is is a fun story to tell that happened centuries and perhaps, in this case, millennia ago. What do I care that a group of people in a random place I've never been to were fed 2,000 years ago? What does that do for me today? And I've said that before because I think these stories are powerful still beyond just the miraculous nature itself. It's not just a moment in history that these point to, but instead a divine revelation of who God is throughout all of history as God continues to feed us as the bread of life, as God continues to nourish those in our society who are left out or perhaps even left over historically. People who are yearning for God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, God's forgiveness in their own experiences. 
In fact, the meal itself can't even be contained to a single moment or feeding. That's why there's leftovers. The disciples brought their Tupperware. They had baskets ready to go. They loaded them up. Why? Because the work didn't end with one miraculous feeding. They had to go into the world. They had to go serve. They needed something that sustained them beyond lunch that day and into their ministry for the rest of their days. And I think that's what I love the most about this particular miracle, this particular sign, is that Jesus takes whatever we have and is able to do some really remarkable things with whatever we offer. God gives thanks for even the smallest of gifts and is able to use and distribute those gifts in ways beyond our own imagination. Just like those little Jesus cups you received when you came in. It's not much but a styrofoamy tasting wafer and a sip of juice, but it's enough to forgive your sins to send you forth from this place knowing without a shadow of a doubt that you are loved and forgiven. It's that willingness to give a little bit of our time or perhaps do a little bit of service that defined all of our youth and the leaders who shared with us earlier here today. A week stranded in the woods doesn't sound like much on the surface, but as we sit and listen to the stories, we hear about relationships formed, about children being transformed, we hear stories about how the people and youth are looking for God revealed to them in nature itself day after day after day, nurturing and nourished in their faith by a simple trip up north. And the same is true for our middle schoolers who headed down south. It's a bit muggier down there, but three days of service may not sound like much, but I assure you, it was transformative. In those days, they went to helping hands. They sorted and folded and tagged more clothes and bedsheets than I care to even count. And then they went and spent all their money in the store, so they literally supported both sides of the ministry, right? Then our youth went to Oaks Indian Mission, a historical mission whose purpose was to educate and to lift up in faith the local populations, the native populations. And those populations can sometimes struggle. And yet, there our youth were with smiles on their faces willing to help, willing to listen, willing to paint a bench or clear out a parsonage walkway. Four years it had been since the parsonage front door had been seen. And in a matter of a few hours with a few volunteers, Everything was cleared out as if it had never, ever been overgrown. These are the kinds of hard work and service experiences that transform lives. Then, the last thing, perhaps most appropriate for today's feeding story, was the Salvation Army, where we went and fed the homeless population. Believe it or not, pastor in no way multiplied pizzas for the masses. In fact, the one they allowed me to make, I burned in the oven. And yet, there was enough to eat. The population that had gathered left fed and then fed us with their thank yous, with their stories, 
by being vulnerable in front of youth and the leaders to share how it is that it was that we have come to this point together serving alongside of one another. Those are the things that happen in ministry when we choose to follow Jesus along the way. It may be called a little library or a little pantry, but they make a big impact in our community. It nourishes people in our community, both in mind and body, and when we gather to worship, we also are nourished in spirit. It's those little things that make a big difference, as it turns out. And as miraculous as the feeding of 5,000 people is in our gospel today, I think even more miraculous is how that one meal coalesces together this group of people who can do no other than follow Jesus wherever it is that he goes, and we still tell the story yet today. That is miraculous. And as miraculous as it might be to, to walk on water, I think the true miracle is how the very presence of God in the midst of those fear-filled disciples is enough to quell their fear and then encourage them to follow Jesus wherever He may go, even to places they themselves previously feared, up to and including in the shadow of the cross. That, you see, is a miracle. You see, wherever Jesus leads, or whomever Jesus feeds, one thing is assured, wherever Jesus is, there you will find leftovers. Leftovers like me, leftovers like you, leftovers like all the people who have gathered throughout the ages seeking to be fed by the bread of life which nourishes us still yet to this day. So thanks be to God for you, the leftovers, and for the bread of life which sustains us. Amen. <laughs>